this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I uh, have a, a few guests with me today. Uh, we are talking with writer uh, Ryan Biss, editor Nicole D'Andrea, and the uh, colorist Katie Brown about... Ruination. Um, it is a comic book that I love. I think I I've I have a pile of them to my left. If you were able to see um, issues one through six of the comic book, and they are going to be coming to um, Kickstarter with all of volume one. It's going to have six issues of Ruination. There's also um, a, a Keeley focused uh, one shot, a 13 page short, a bunch of behind the scenes material. And I'm just, I, I just love this comic book. I love this fantasy world. I love this story. And I'm very excited to talk to uh, all of them about it. So, Ryan, Nicole, and Katie, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much. No, no, it's, it's my pleasure. Um, I, I am. I, I, I'm not sure when I first. I don't know if it was right from the start from issue one. I think it might have been issue two when I when I first heard of the project and I really um, liked the sound of the story. Uh, I thought it looked really interesting. I thought the artwork was great. The colors were very dynamic. It really grabbed you. And so I think I, I, I back a lot of digital stuff just because, you know, of the space. But I really wanted to have uh, Ruination. And yeah, like I said, I think I have all six issues. For some reason, I I have a a, a couple different uh, covers of um of issue number two, and some of the other books. But um yeah, it's just reading everything again in preparation for tonight, and it's a, a story that I I really love. So well, why don't why don't we start there though with the story? Um, if you can kind of recap for the listeners, what is you know without giving away too much, what is ruination all about? Ryan, you want to take that? Sure. So, uh, essentially, it's a fantasy adventure series um, following a group of of young soldiers from kind of both sides of a of a war who were kind of um, thrust into this conflict over these uh, magical crystals, and uh, each with their own different set of motivations. But they're kind of um, thrust together on this adventure um, that takes them through a, a series of portals to different um, post apocalyptic worlds and. Um, on an adventure to uh, hopefully try and um, uh, stop the war before it uh, before it begins again. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's so much action in it. I mean, there's a lot of like 
there's a, some magic, uh, you know, in terms of how the crystals are used. There's a, like sword fighting and fist fights in general. Um, but yeah, not that I was surprised at first, but it is also like very um, character driven as well uh, in terms of the different chaos, because in particular, the characters we were following are kind of one uh, is from one side, a couple or, or fewer from one side, a few from the other. And they've kind of joined together to kind of figure out how to survive and and navigate when they're running away from the issue one opens up with a, an attack on a fishing village. Um, and it, I, I like also how there are two children kind of thrown into the mix because I think every situation is more fraught when, when there are kids also involved. <laughs> and I really like both of them as characters too. Is that uh, Peter and uh, Rachel? Yeah, I... It's funny. I you see stories that kind of throw in the the, the side child that kind of tags along, and you get scared sometimes because you don't know. Like, is this going to be the annoying character that is always in the way that is just kind of detracts from the story you care about, or is it going to be an actual you know additive to the story? And and hopefully people kind of see that these the children serve a pretty important role in the story. And um, um, you know, I think particularly in this first volume, you see a lot of Rachel and her growth and, and, um, kind of, um, you know, where she, you start to get a hint of where she will fit into the larger, uh, larger, um, uh, you know, arc of, of the next, next couple of volumes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I never felt, um, in any of the issues that it was like, Oh no, we're back. We're back dealing with the kids again. Um, <laughs> they're, they both have very distinct personalities they they both are um it's very interesting to see how they react in the world i mean you're talking about two sides that have waged a you know war over seemingly centuries and with this newest iteration of it a lot of the story i i felt in reading it is about how are these how are the the, the children affected from both sides what do they grow up to believe and I think that's important to have two characters who are kids who are kind of right in the middle of it as this whole cycle is kind of happening again. Uh, I really like that element of it. Yeah, I mean, the one of the main intents with a story is to show, like, I want it to be a generational story. Like, a lot of the, you know, fandoms that I've always really liked, like Star Wars, Star Wars is a generational story. And, like, a lot of the depth from... Star Wars comes from seeing how the story evolves from generation to generation. And that's, that was kind of one of the intents of this is it's not, you, you see how the older generation differs significantly from the three kind of main characters, and it's going to differ even more so for the two younger characters in the story. So seeing how, um, how it evolves for each, each of those groups is, um, will hopefully be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I'm, I love it. I'm very interested in, in all of it. Um, well, let's talk about uh, the rest of the creative team. Tell me about who else has been involved, and then we'll talk to Katie, and, and we'll talk to Nicole. Um, but Ryan, if you can just kind of start us off with, um, how did the kind of team come together? So the first comic that I had ever done was um, kind of a, an anthology called Curiosities from Another World. Um, and that was my initial foray into comics. And um, what I thought is everyone had, had gives you the advice start with short stories. So me being the idiot said, okay, I'll start with short stories, but I'll do six of them at the same time. 
and hire 20 different yeah. artists and, and, and so on. I um, think, I think you missed, I think you missed the <laughs> advice. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was a great learning experience. Um, and I had met, um, several people through doing that. Um, so Katie, um, Katie had done one of the stories uh, in there, the, the first one in, in the series and, um, did such an amazing job coloring the, the crystal show up in that story. So did such an amazing job. And so she was my first choice to, to, to color ruination. Um, before I even started hiring people though, I knew I wanted to, before I invested a lot of money into getting books produced, um, started just reaching out to other creators and saying, Hey, can you look at my script and see, tell me what you think? A few of them said, yeah, I think you got something here. So, um, found a call through, I think a Facebook group, um, and brought her on to just to go ahead and edit the first six scripts. And then once she was done, um, found Julia Lally, our initial line artist, um, through probably the same Facebook group. Um, so hired her, hired Nicole, hired Matthias, who was also my letterer on Curiosities. Um, just did a fantastic job, job there. Um, and then we had our initial team and then, um, once we finished, uh, issue four, was when Julia got an opportunity she couldn't say no to. So she ended up rolling off. Um, and we kind of started a, a, a big search to find a new line artist and um, uh, uh, ended up uh, coming across Sarah Fletcher, who's now been with us um, for, uh, she, she just finished issue seven. So three issues now. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's always quite, I, I'm always interested in terms of how, you know, folks find each other, especially, you know, starting out, whether or not it's through like social media or some other group or someone, you know, turns you on to somebody else and says, Oh, have you seen this person's work? And, you know, trying to find that, that right fit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, Nick, go ahead. Oh, uh, I mean, we're fortunate now that we've, I think we've got enough of a network from Twitter and, and, and everywhere else that we, we we just kind of naturally find people for to do cover art and things like that. But um, yeah, initially it was uh, uh, Facebook and Reddit. I think was where I found everyone. Uh, Katie, Katie, I found we we connected over Reddit. Is that right? Yeah, that was Reddit for sure. Yeah. So so Katie, I guess I'll start with you. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Um, when you first got involved, like when you saw a script, to start thinking of like the color palette, like where. Where initially did you kind of draw, I guess, your like inspiration from? I mean, it is it, everything is like so bright, so uh, interestingly colored. I, I can always tell who the characters are because I think there's very interesting choices in terms of, um, especially how like Neri and and Kila um, are colored in terms of like what they're wearing, um, and especially in the later issues five and six where you see more of this the spirits in the other worlds um everything is always just so interesting and it's like a comic that i love to just kind of linger on and a lot of that is because of your color work oh thank you um i think so for as far as the the character colors go um a lot of those were actually picked by uh, our concept artist emma um, she worked with Ryan before I was even in the picture to develop the look for a lot of the characters. Um, so it kind of gave me a foundation, like a, you know, a direction to go 
in terms of just like, you know, which color to pick first. Um, and that's always really helpful because I tend to like to kind of build the palette around any ne- color necessities, you know, like if, like if you know the character's costume is going to be blue, you want a palette that's going to make the blues pop or, you know, go nicely with it. Um, so yeah, you start with what you have and kind of work with what's work off of what's going to look nicely with it. As far as developing the like look for the colors, um, that was very much a team effort. We, we went back and forth on that very first page a lot. Um, I think okay. I, I overhauled the palette uh, completely at one to, at one point. Like I would start it completely from scratch. Um, and when I think my first pass had been a lot more um, subtle. It was, uh, okay. yeah. And it just, it wasn't really, it just wasn't really working. So we started over and we went for a lot more bright, vivid colors. And uh, everyone seemed on board with that. And it really worked with the, uh, julia's art and yeah it just kind of grew from there i i feel maybe this is unfair uh you know of me to say maybe it's just the comics that i read but especially sometimes it, it, i don't know if like fantasy comics it happens in horror comics definitely it tends to do this but i i see a lot of comics where like the modern i don't know if it's a modern color palette always tends to be darker or more shading maybe but i really appreciate with ruination like how bright everything is i mean i think someone else could really color this a lot darker and i think it might like suffer a little bit but i love how bright it is i love all the little all the auras especially when characters are fighting in terms of like i don't know like the crystal effect i love how 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 all of that is done um is that something that that you came up with that you you know you do how does that work in terms of the line work and what you do to create that look um what we usually do is uh whatever is solid in in world is drawn by the line artist so the actual crystal and the characters and stuff and then um they usually leave space around it for me to fill in a magic effect um for a while there julia was like penciling and inking magic effects but we decided to just was a lot easier to make them look organic and act like magic if we did them with mm-hmm. colors instead of lines. Okay. Yeah, I mean that makes it I mean it, especially I think it was issue 5 there's like a pretty big drawn out fight um and it it looks it looks great on the page. Oh, um that was actually Sarah's first issue with us, wasn't it? Issue 5 that was the big fight with Silas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those initial pages with Nayari and Silas. Yeah. That was that Special. was a really really fun time because that was the first thing that Sarah and I ever did together. So it was our first like opportunity to really collaborate, and it was so much fun working with her to develop the look for those effects and stuff. That's cool. Um, how did you first get uh, kind of started with uh, coloring in comics? Um, so I graduated from art school in December of 2019. And, um, then a pandemic happened and nobody was hiring anywhere. And so I was like, I'm just going to take freelance work where I can get it. And I started like coloring. It just kind of was where I could find work. And I really liked it. Um, 
And I always wanted to end up in comics anyways. So just roll with it. <laughs> oh, that uh, it sounds like that worked out then. Yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. All right. And uh, also, Nicole here uh, is with us, uh, is the editor. Um, Nicole does a lot of work in comics, though. I'm familiar with um, Road Trip to Hell, which is uh, your comic, right, Nicole? Yes, definitely. Thank you for and being so, familiar with it. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, well, I, think I, did, I think we did a written interview for Comic Book Yeti for Road yeah. Trip to Hell. Um, which is, a, which is, if anyone listening to this is not familiar with it, go, go get it. it. It is just a really fun, it is exactly what it sounds like. Road trip to hell, super fun, a little dark. You're going to like it. And so, well, plug for road trip to hell. I'm a big fan. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, you know, I, I've wanted to talk to more editors in general in terms of doing this and interviewing people. So kind of, how, uh, you know, uh, Ryan already talked about how he kind of found you to get into the project, but I'm, I'm kind of interested, like, in terms of working on your own comics, and you've interviewed folks for websites that you've worked for and been involved in comics and all the things that you've done. What drew you to, you know, in addition to writing and all of those types of things, to editing? You know, I think the main thing was I've always really wanted to work in whatever I've been super passionate about. So, you know, writing was a very early passion of mine. And then I think that really transitioned into editing more so when I was in college, because I had started, I'd really gotten into comics as a teenager. You know, I was seriously collecting them. And then around the same time, I was writing for an entertainment website, all comic book related things. So the more I started to write reviews for comic books and really analyze them, at first from a standpoint of someone who is interested in writing, uh, I kind of realized, and it was something I didn't even realize right away, but the way I reviewed comic books in a lot of ways is the way I write when I am editing them. And I give people sort of these in-depth comments sheets and they harken back a lot to the reviews I used to do. So I think I kind of transitioned from, you know, writing these reviews. It sort of helped me realize that I'd be interested in, you know, editing the things that I'm so passionate about and to, in addition to writing about them. And then I just happened to, around the same time, uh, when I was in, eventually when I, when I was in college, I started um, just as a part-time job editing scholarly articles for a professor I had. So that kind of like sort of sealed it because it went from, you know, reviewing comics to then actually editing materials and realizing like, I really want to, you know, bridge this together and start editing comics. Oh, wow. And so when you're, when you start working on, you know, something like Ruination, you know, what is kind of your like overall approach? Like when you get into the material, like what, what do you think is the, I, I know because I, I think sometimes folks are like, oh, I can get away without an editor. And I, and there's always like, you know, the quote unquote discourse, which I never get involved in on Twitter, but I'll say now, like, you you can you can afford an editor like you should you should have somebody look it over. <laughs> but um, what do you really think like, is the the value an editor brings? Like, what is it you try to do in terms of your overall approach when you're you're editing a project? You know, before I even say that, I'll say yeah. I've met a lot of people who say like I don't need an editor. I I've never needed an editor. It's fine. 
And then I'd say the majority of people I, I work with who, when it's their first time having an editor, they're like, oh, I actually, you know, I needed this. I'm going to actually continue to have an editor on my books in the future, which uh, I appreciate hearing. Because I understand if you've like, say you've been in the industry for a while, you're writing books, you don't have an editor and you're having some success, then you probably wouldn't know why you need an editor. But I think, you know, it's really important to have another set of eyes on your book, especially at the early stages, because it's one thing if you go through the whole process, you make the whole comic and then somebody reviews it. That's valuable because then you have that reviewer's input for future issues if you listen to it. But if you have an editor, you kind of get that reviewer right from step one. So for most mm -hmm. books, I'm able to come in on the script stage and I'm able to edit not just like proofread for grammar and spelling, but it, depending on the, the, the person I'm working with, I can usually do content editing too. So again, kind of doing like that in-depth comments sheet where I sort of break it down and analyze like how your characters are developing over the course of an issue, how you're developing the story and just kind of the um, things like panel descriptions. And if in, you know, finding that right balance between how much you need to describe that still allows you to give your artist a room to create something, but also gives them enough direction so they know where they're going. Like it's a lot of moving parts and little things that people don't always think about. But once you, see it i feel like when it, when it all comes together it really does feel worth it to have an editor to just look uh, look it over and that's just from even just from a script standpoint because with ruination you know i'm usually working from scripts and then it usually goes to letters i know some books um i do every part of the process where you know i'll look over scripts but then i'll also look over like storyboards art, colors, letters, the whole process. It really just mm -hmm. depends from person to person. And, you know, some people really need it. Some people don't. It's it's a mix, but I think it's always important to have a second set of eyes there. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, and so what what is it you like, what is it you like, you know, really like about working on, um, like with Ruination? I mean, do you, do you look at it as like, ah, oh, this is like a job, or do you like really get into the story of it? And because I, th I feel like if I, like, uh, if I was involved, I would, ha I, I, like, would want to talk about it because I, I really, you know, love it. It would be hard to, you know, oh, I can do this, that, but I like to be like in the mix. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I definitely get invested in you know everything I edit. You know, I, I'm definitely really into ruination, of course, like. You obviously have to, when you're an editor, you have to like put it in perspective and, and put on your editing hat at times and be like critical about certain things and, you know, still stay honest about stuff when you're giving feedback to a creator. Sure. Um, but I, I would hope Ryan knows that I really enjoy ruination. <laughs> Not just editing it, but I, you know, I enjoy the story itself. Like the fact that it, they all feel like living, breathing worlds, not just one world, but multiple worlds. And the fact that you're able to, you know, have so much world building, but I feel like it never, like one of the things I watch out for when I edit books is if they have a lot of world building going on, you don't want that to be like an exposition dump or have it like drag down the story. And I feel like Ruination does a really good job of not just having that world building, but blending it with organically with having the characters develop over time one of my favorite things is probably like the character dynamics between all the characters. Like you were talking about how 
They come from different sides, having kids that aren't annoying because I have yeah. so many kids. As someone who watches a lot of horror movies, there's so many annoying children. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, no, you have two kids who like they feel realistic and not annoying, but not annoying. Like they they feel like a real part of like an important part of the story along with everyone else. Plus, um, being from a different generation, you get kind of a different perspective from them. That's different even from the two different sides that are fighting because you get not really and not exactly a neutral perspective, but a different generation, which I think, you know, you have all these perspectives going on, all this world building and then all the action and the story. But I think it's, you know, it's a balancing act. And I think Ruination does a good job at that. Yeah, I was just thinking about that while you were while you were saying that, that it it is a really it is a really good balance between the the magic the action scenes but also all the characters feel like you know what their motivations are even if there's characters who are you know could they betray somebody could they do this could they do th- do that they 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 really are you know exactly what it is like they want to try and accomplish and why um and, and even you know the i guess the 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 villain so to speak Silas you know as as things go on in the books, you kind of see he's much more complex character than, you know, just he's not just the guy leading the attack against the fishing village. He you you get to see that. And I think um, I think the whole team really does a great job of showing that balance. Um, but Ryan, you know, in terms of developing the stories, that's something you were always conscious of. Like, well, I, I can have all these fun action scenes, but I always want to make sure that character like everyone knows what the characters are like nothing's ever muddled like the the you know everyone is distinct you know no one's getting confused is this wait did did dante do that did jalen do that you know how do you kind of keep that like when you start out in the writing process are you like uh doing like like a like beats to it or do you have a a very in-depth outline oh yeah there's definitely an outline i mean the story the entirety of the story is essentially written. Like we do, Nicole's already gone through the outline of, of uh, going through the end, the, the final issue. Um, so I like writing stories, knowing where the end is, even if I don't have the, that final script written quite yet. But um, I, I don't like stories that don't have an ending or, 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 or a solid you know, middle and end. Um, I, I want to make sure I know what I'm working toward and what that I'm, working toward it at, at a good enough pace. And one of the things that I always struggle with, and this, you know, this, everyone has different tastes, but I struggle with fantasy stories sometimes when you feel like you need like flashcards to kind of get through <laughs> the first, the first like issue, you know, like it, it feels like you need like a vocab test just to get the cities and, and, and the story. Like, so I tried very, very hard with issue one. Um, to keep it to just like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say the fallen, we'll say the, the, the Saldiria, like, and just kind of keep it at that and just focus on the characters and the action. And then we'll get to the rest to where it's, when it's relevant and, and unravel it and hopefully a way that's, that's interesting. But, um, you know, I, 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 ha- I essentially have that bullet point list of like, here's what I definitely need to get out by this point. Um, and I just, I just keep writing until I find an organic way to, to, to introduce it. And, um, you know, 
Nicole will occasionally tell me like, no, you need to add this or, or you've got you're leading toward an info dump here. But um, yeah, I think so far we've, we've, we've lucked out and um, have done a decent job of, of kind of just getting the info that we need uh, when we need it and just keeping, keeping this initial volume going. Cause to me, that's the hardest part is getting people invested in the story without doing that initial info dump. Cause it's just, it's, it's hard in a fantasy setting. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I agree. Um, even though I think all the characters are very di- distinct, I still like it, it, in the very beginning, there's like a little picture and like everyone's name and information. I love when books do that. I feel like comics did that a lot. I feel like in the maybe 70s and into the 80s, you know, where they told you who all the characters were and like a little blurb about them, you know, but not, I don't know. I haven't seen too many comics do that anymore, but I really like that aspect of it. And, you know, someone once asked me, how do you read so many different comics at the same time? And I was like, well, it's just like anybody else watching like TV shows. You don't, you know, you, you, you might be watching a couple different shows at once, but still I appreciate that. Like previously on, on a TV show, yeah. cause I'm old now. Um, and I really think, cause like halfway through the series and I want to say it was like issue four, I think it was Nary maybe just like explains things to Jalen and like, does like, a history recap and it's like the it was i think the only one time where it was like exposition heavy but it was like so helpful when she goes through it and i was like oh thank you this is just this is i'm ready to go it was like like two pages and it was just like hey i'm just gonna remind you of what the history is and i thought it was it was like halfway is like a halfway through point this is everything and I, I i thought that was so great i love that kind of touch in a book no and that was that was like a hotly debated Point, even in the very first draft of of the volume was when do you do that um and the feedback that i consistently got from other creators was this is actually a really good time because by issue three you probably got people hooked on just the characters and the action and now is a decent time to slow down before you start getting because issue issue the end of issue four and five were so action heavy that having that slow down right beat right before it actually worked out nice and and made sense. But uh, I mean, you know, in terms of having that, you know, kind of character summary page, I mean, I try to be conscious of the fact that we're not, we're not on a monthly series. We're kickstarting, you know, every three to six months. So, you know, we're not going to be front of everyone's mind by the time they get the next batch of issues. And I too am old and have children (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my brain can only handle you yeah. know it you know i read big two books too and like there's just there's so many characters and fandoms in your head that like it's just it's nice to get a nice little reminder sometimes i i i agree oh it had been a while since i'd read issues like one to three and i read four and then i realized that i don't think i had read like five and six although i had them and so I said, oh, I'm going to read four, five, and six when you guys were going to come on the, the podcast. And um, when I opened up four, I was like, looked at the character sheet. I'm like, there's a big wolf in here? I'm like, I forgot about the big wolf. And I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, so shout out to Apollo. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I just really love this series. Um, and so... I guess I kind of 
cycling back to the beginning because, you know, in the Cryptid Creator Corner, I like to, you know, talk to folks as to how they got their start creatively in, in comics. So, you know, Ryan, like kind of what, I mean, have you, had you always been a fan of comics? What led you to want to write and why this type of, you know, series? I mean, because although it's action heavy and it's a lot of fun, like there's some really heavy themes in here, as you talked about. I mean, generational trauma, like war, two different sides, like children dealing with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I had always been a been a writer um, and had always been a comic fan. I had largely given up writing in comics and and um, a lot of my nerdy hobbies around college. And um, at some point, my wife said, "You're boring yourself. You need to get get a hobby." So I started getting back into board games and and comics and and, and all that stuff. And um, really, as soon as I started getting back back into this stuff i was like i have the itch to write again and i tried a, a lot of different things i tried you know prose and i just it had been so long that i just couldn't i i was struggling to get good solid prose down um and i tried other things like i even tried designing board games and and working on narratives and incorporating it into the board games and um it just did nothing ever stuck and then one day i was like you know what I, I think I could probably figure out how to make a comic. Um, and it, it, the idea just kind of floated around for a while. And then uh, after I had my daughter, I started kind of saying to myself, like, all right, you know, like I, I have a parent who's not around to, to, to meet her. And like, you know, who knows what's going to happen to me? Like, there are things that like, I want to make sure my kid knows about me and that I am able to impart to my kid in some way um writing in some form is to me is the best way to get someone to know me um so i just that was kind of like the, the kick that i needed to to like see i got to do something and and um just started learning about making comics and uh bit the bullet and had a great time doing curiosities and um curiosities was kind of my test run because i i wanted to do ruination ruination was a story that i had um, written as a teenager in, in one form. Um, so I knew I, this was the story that I wanted to tell. I did listen to people and didn't make my first story, the, the, uh, continuing series. Um, <laughs> so after taking that kind of test run with curiosities and I said, all right, I, I don't want to wait around forever. Let's just, let's do this. Let's, let's kickstart the process. So that's kind of how, how ruination kind of, came to be and and yeah i'm i'm when i read books when i read anything i am big in themes i want to know like whether you mean it or not if you're writing something you're saying something and it, when i when i edit other people's work or i give them feedback like that's the first thing that i always go to is what are you trying to say and are you saying it clear enough right um, and that's you know all of my my work is going to be very heavy on that, and I there are, there are absolutely things that um, I want to talk about. And you know, I think ruination actually kicked off at a decent time, where I think we're all kind of sitting here saying, "What the hell is going on in this world?" and "What the hell did the previous generation do to us?" <laughs> um, you know, so I think it's actually yeah, it's a very timely series. No, yeah, I I mean, I definitely think it is. I mean, it, it, it's a series that can be enjoyed if on that level but 
Yes. I mean, you don't have to dig in too deep to really start uncovering all these other types of themes and these other topics of conversation, which is, you know, one of the things I, you know, really, uh, I really appreciate about it. Um, and, you know, in, in, in terms of some of the, like, working on comics, do you still have time to, like, read comics? Is there anything anybody here is, like, reading or getting into now that they particularly enjoy? I tend to go in spurts. Like I will go like several months and not have time to read anything. And then um, like I, I've, I've had a good push like the last few weeks and, and I'll, I'll go through like five issues. I, I don't have a to be read pile. I have a to be read closet. Oh, uh, okay. Like, Yikes. Um, <laughs> but like, I try very hard to keep up at least on the Kickstarter stuff that I back and, uh, I'll let the big two stuff kind of pile up sometimes and right. I'll just kind of catch up on like several volumes at a time. But um, yeah, I personally, I tend to read a lot of, um, I'm a big Marvel guy and, um, uh, you know, tr I try to also follow as much of the other um, fantasy sci-fi Kickstarters as I can. Yeah. I, I, I created a spreadsheet of everything I, I backed on Kickstarter and like when I get it and what, when I've read it and then I, I looked at it at the end of last year and I'm like, oh, I got a, I got a lot of reading to do. Yeah. I, I, Cause I didn't even, I don't think I discovered Kickstarter really until the pandemic. Like I just wasn't, wasn't on my radar. And I, you know, I've backed, um, I know quite a number of things since then because then I you know, generally love, you know, all the stuff that's on there and the indie comics that are, that are being put out. But yeah, I, I I keep a spreadsheet just to show just just to disappoint myself that I haven't <laughs> gotten more. Uh, Katie and Nicole, how about you? Like, what's your like uh, comic reading habits now? Or is it just like for what you're working on, or do you have time to, you know, actually enjoy some stuff? Um, I actually find that when I'm when I'm working on a comic or a few, I tend to actually not be able to read them. As much, I tend to stick with okay. uh, novels when I've got a few comic projects in the works. And it's just like my eyes get tired. Um, yeah. But I'm reading no, this really fine. great. I'm really reading this really great novella right now called "The Seep" by Chana Porter. It's like a it's a really cool take on a an alien invasion. Ooh, all right. I'm writing that down. That sounds good. I would highly recommend it. Nicole, how about you? Are you too involved with projects, other people's, and your own? Do you have time to read for fun? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've been getting better at that because I, I've started actually having weekends rather than bringing my work into my weekends. So I, I have a dedicated pull list, and you know, it'll kind of pile up after like a couple months. But then I'll, you know, I'll have a weekend where I sit down and read a lot of my more recent stuff. That said, I still have a very large list of um, backlist issues in my closet that I have not read <laughs> yet because I, I definitely overbought when I was a teenager. I was like so excited to be in the hobby. I was like, oh, there are dollar comic books because I didn't know that when I was a teenager. I was like I, going into it thinking it was expensive. So being uh, knowing there were dollars. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, overbought comics and they are still waiting to be read. But that said, you know, I'll try to read my recent poll list. I'll try to keep up with that because I, I like having something, a series to look forward to each month 
And I, I have a few, honestly, the one that comes up first because I've, I've read it for so long is, uh, the ID, IDW's, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, which I, I just love the fact that you can read it at any age and enjoy it. I see like, I love letters pages. The reason I like single issue comics, honestly, more than trades is because I love letters pages at the back for some of those established books. And it's just so cute to see so many kids get so inspired by that series to like send in fan art and things like that or write letters. But then I also see so many like adults talking about it. It's it's mm -hmm. really cool that it you know can cross that age divide. Yeah, that's awesome. I like letters pages too. I, I, I said like I would buy like a hardcover coffee table book of just old letters pages. Hundred <laughs> percent buy that. What always fascinated me when you look at old letters pages was they printed people's actual home addresses in a lot of them. Yeah, which you could never do today. But it just yeah. I, I just remember looking at it like an old X Men book, and, and I was like, wait a minute, like you could just Google that person to like. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you definitely could. I, I yeah, I, I would definitely just because like when I started, you know, getting getting some comics and I was never like a, a collector as a kid, um, but, you know, would go and get like random comics here and there and like going back through them sometimes and like or going through older comics that I might pick up at the comic book shop and go through the letters pages. Yeah, that would be like a, I, I want like, just do the decades, right? Just like Marvel DC, just give me a big, thick hardcover coffee table book of like eighties and nineties <laughs> letters pages. I love when they print the ones that are the most negative letter. Like I've ever seen. I'm like, wow, you really, you really went there and let you let that be published about your own book. And I, I love it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, so let's just talk a little bit before everybody has to get out of here, if we can, just the Kickstarter for volume one. And I mentioned it in the beginning, but it looks like it's going to launch June 20th. And yep. it's going to have all six issues. There's a Keela-focused one-shot, a 13-page short, and, and behind-the-scenes bonus material. So just like, you know, Whoever wants to chime in, just what anything else you can tell us about the Kickstarter, like the rewards levels, or what folks can expect from the um the behind the scenes stuff. Cause I, I love like the back matter kind of stuff. I love seeing character sketches. I love um uh, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans died, did a really good job of that with like the back matter in the book. But um uh yeah, what what kind of can backers expect? Yeah, so it's gonna be 300 pages. There'll be a soft cover and a hard cover version. Soft cover, uh, our cover art is by Kath Lobo. And then um, Hunter Banyan did the hard cover art, and both are awesome pieces. Um, but so 240 pages roughly is going to be the existing sequentials from the seven issues that we've already put out. Um, you mentioned the, the 13 page short uh, Apollo fo focused piece. Um, Hunter Banyan is actually. Um, uh, drawing that now, Katie's going to color it. Um, I, 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 I'm, I love, I love this piece. We, I've only seen the layouts, the, the, the thumbnail so far, and and Hunter's art is is amazing and made me tear up just looking at it. I, I think people are really going to like it. Oh, nice! It's going to make everybody cry. Everybody. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then 
there'll be cover art gallery. Um, we'll have uh, like seven or eight pages of Rachel's adult Rachel's journal recapping what happened in volume one, which I think is actually really cool, a really cool piece. And then um, a lot of uh, world building um, pages. So we'll have the character design um, background. So Emma's original concepts, um, along with a lot of the, the, the thinking behind um, how we arrived at the character designs. Um, same thing with the worlds. Katie's actually doing three um, illustrations of her own, uh, like double page spreads of each of the three worlds that we've seen so far. Um, oh, that'll cool. Be um, and then we'll have some progress. Um, so like script to lines to colors, um, comparisons with some commentary on, cause I think that's one of the, uh, you touched on it earlier, but that's one of the interesting things about, um, our book is kind of seeing how much collaboration there is. Um, you know, like we, we don't, we're not a, a team that kind of, you do your part and you throw it over the wall to the next person. Like we're all always talking co pretty constantly about things. So like Katie and Sarah are always talking about and looking at each other's work to, to figure out like how, how do we accomplish these different magical effects or like what does make sense to do in the lines versus just the colors. And um, so you'll get to see kind of that back and forth a little bit in, in, in the, in the back matter. Cool. And um, so do you know now, I mean, you said you kind of had it outlined, like how many issues will this all be? Will ruination be when it's all said and done? Like, do you, do you know like what, what the stopping point is? Is that something you're able to tell us? I don't want to say exactly what it is, but volume two will not be the last volume. I will say that. Okay. All right. Oh, so this is a perfect point to jump on board if anyone hasn't backed it before to pick up the hardcover or um like the, the softback the trade paperback and uh get ready for plenty more ruination um Sorry. all right this well i mean i really appreciate everyone being on here today like i said i i, I think it was volume two i'm a huge fan of the series i love the action in it i love the art the colors but it is also just very character focused and it is a, a story that can be enjoyed on several levels. Like I said, if you want to just, if you want a fun fantasy action story, you can have that. If you're willing to spend a little bit of time with the material, I mean, I really think that Ryan, you, and the rest of the team definitely has something to say. And um, I'm ready to hear it. And I, I, I hope a lot of other folks are. I wish you nothing but the, the best of success. I'm just a huge, huge fan of this book. Thanks so much, Jimmy. We really, we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Well, you are you're all very welcome. Um, but thank you for you know I love comics. Thank you guys for making a really really awesome comic. So, um, but yes, June twentieth, I will put links in the show notes when this episode airs. It'll probably air right before the Kickstarter goes live, so you'll be able to. I'll put the link in the notes so you can get notified when the campaign goes live. And um, I'll put links to everybody else if you want to check out Katie's work and Nicole's work, uh, Sarah's work, the rest of the team, and Ryan's work. But uh, Katie, Nicole, and Ryan, thank you very much for coming on the Cryptid Creator Corner today. I really appreciate it again. No, thank you so much. We, we appreciate you guys um, you having us and letting, letting me bring, bring on as much of the team as I can get. No, it's fine. More the merrier. Um, but yeah, like 
volume two. Please come back. <laughs> we'll talk if, if I'm still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll come out anytime. We love talking about this series. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, I'm Jimmy Gisbauer, one of the hosts of the Crypto Creator Corner. Thank you for listening uh, and, you know, rate and review us. And you've heard me say it before, if you've listened to a couple episodes, say, say nice things about us on social media because I'm very sensitive in my old age. And um, <laughs> I'll also put a link in because uh, there's a, a Zoop campaign for comics from the kitchen. And uh, I wrote a five-page comic in that, that James Greater X uh, is uh, drawing and coloring and lettering. So I'll put a link to that. And well, if, if folks want to see the kind of stuff I write, not just uh, listen to my fairly monotone voice after I worked all day, that would be nice. I'd appreciate that. Um, but for Comic Book Yeti, I am Jimmy Gasparro, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.